Then she'd get to her feet, and with the warm water running from her skin, remove the plug, wrap herself in her towel, and step down onto a bath mat which was unpleasantly clammy after its heavy use on the previous evening. Pale sunlight, thin with February cold, was this morning illuminating the bathroom through a low window, frosted by condensation. Alice cleared the steamy mirror above the basin and peered at her reflection. Sometimes, particularly since her arrival at the farm, it had seemed strange to Alice that despite the huge changes that had taken place in her life, her reflection so closely resembled the woman she'd been before the progress of the war had so radically altered it. Her marriage had failed. Another woman had taken possession of her husband. Her home in Twickenham remained deserted and boarded up since a German bomb had struck the leafy suburban street in which it stood. Her son was at boarding school, spending only his weekends and holidays on the farm, where he shared his mother's attention with a diverse group of young women for whom she found herself largely responsible. Alice contemplated the oval face reflected in the misted mirror. The grey eyes were steady, the brows fine, the mouth good-tempered, and the dark blonde hair piled onto the top of her head was luxuriant. Despite the loss of home and husband, the months of unremitting hard work, the pressure of responsibility and the various crises that had punctured her time at the farm, she was still, recognisably and slightly surprisingly, herself. Somehow she had survived it all, and perhaps by following the predictable but sound advice of the indomitable Rose Crocker, just take things one day at a time, my dear, she would, she realised, continue to survive for as long as she had to. At first, Alice's task as warden, work for which she was neither qualified nor temperamentally suited, had overwhelmed her. She struggled to fulfil the huge demands made on her, and often came close to giving up and retreating back to the rented room in Exeter which had housed her and Edward John after the London bombing had left them homeless, and where her husband had arrived suddenly one evening and told her that their marriage was over. But needing to provide an income for herself and safety for her son, she had squared her shoulders and struggled on. It had been obvious to Alice that, initially, her employer, Roger Bayliss, the farm's owner, had little or no confidence in her. The Land Army Registrar, too, had doubted her suitability as warden, and only appointed her in the absence of anyone more able. The farmhouse, which had stood empty for years and would in any other circumstances have been declared unsuitable for human habitation, was more or less derelict, when Roger Bayliss, having lost most of his able-bodied farmhands to the war, had been obliged to utilise it as a billet for the ten young women who were to replace them. A lick of paint and a few partitioned bedrooms on the upper floor had hardly transformed it. Years of neglect and a dozen harsh Devonian winters had left the building so cold and damp that months had passed before constant fires, followed by summer weather, had made any impression on it. Although Alice was largely unaware of it, her year as warden at Lower Poststone Farm had changed her. She'd grown stronger and more assertive. No longer simply a submissive, dependent wife, her association with her land girls and her increasing familiarity with their circumstances, some of which had astonished and even shocked her, had broadened her mind and extended her sensitivity. She was protective of them, and without being conscious of it, had won their respect and their loyalty.
Even her domestic assistant, the sharp-tongued Rose, initially her harshest critic, had been won over and had become a staunch ally. The lack of confidence which in her early weeks on the farm had coloured her employer's opinion of her had developed, without her being aware of it, into an undeclared regard, now bordering on stronger feelings which possibly even he did not fully recognise. Back in her room, Alice had dressed, quickly pulling on the slacks, silk shirt and thick sweater that kept her warm in the draughty farmhouse. She brushed her hair, coiled it onto the nape of her neck, and was working a trace of lipstick onto her mouth when Rose's penetrating Devonian voice reached her. The boss be here, she called. Rabbits he's brung, and daffs. Ain't your birthday, be it? Alice said it wasn't, and went to open the door. Roger Bayliss had ridden down...